Welcome to this week's episode. I am your host as always, BJ. This is a little bit different uh, episode. Um, I'm actually by myself for this. If you're listening today on Monday, December 2nd, um, today is my mom's birthday. Um, But everything changed about a year ago. Um, A year ago today, my pops passed away, so that day's been changed forever. It's been a, a... interesting year to say um, a lot of changes has been made a lot of things have happened and I just kind of want to go through kind of my story what it's like been for me for a year because um, grief is something that's it can be a cause a bunch of different things it can make you a bunch of different things I just remember you know getting a call that he had fallen in the bathroom at home for my mom and I was just like oh he passed out and they didn't know what happened and come to find out he did have a stroke. That was in April of 2018. And it was a long, long battle. I mean, there were several times that we, we rushed to the hospital. Um, one time he had to have part of his skull removed and they didn't know if he was going to make it through the night. I remember that night vividly. And then the one night where I mean, he had to be rushed back to the hospital and, you know, we had to sit in this room. It was me and my mom. And, Remember, my wife was there, and then his sisters and nieces, and some people were there. And I at uh, in Indianapolis. So, for those who don't know, my parents actually lived in Seymour. I live in Indianapolis, and uh, I remember sitting in that room with a who's a male doctor, nice doctor, you know, very very great doctor. All the doctors we worked with were great. Um, I just remember him saying that he didn't think he would make it home again, that um, he would have to go to hospice and. I just remember sitting there and, and I knew what question was coming and um, no, how many, I had prepared for it many times when he had been sick. Uh, when they asked the question, what do you want us to do if he has a heart attack or another stroke? Um, basically, you know, do not resuscitate. I knew that question was coming. Um, the question was asked and I remember my mother saying is, you know, what do we want to do be? And, you know, he took a long pause and I was like, you know, if it happens, you know, make sure we, we, we just make sure he's okay and, and make sure that, you know, we don't put him through unnecessary things. And the weird part about it was he rebounded. Um, and I remember cause he, um, pop said uh, we had Thanksgiving in 2018 together. Um, all of us at my parents' house and, he had been through rehab and another hospital and uh, walking and you know responsive and, and a lot of positive signs and that's where I and that's where I was it had been so up and down for the whole time since April so we're from April to November we have seen a lot of things happen a lot of positive things happen and so after they said he would never go home he went home so I mean that was pretty phenomenal um, a bunch of combinations were made with beds and then. Uh, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people helped out. And then he ended up going to Seymour hospital. And I remember it was November 30th and uh, I was working and I got a call from my mom. And at that moment in time, that's when uh, she was working with the hospice folks. So it was my mom, the hospice lady and pops in the hospital room. And I was at work and uh, they had me on speakerphone and, you know, went through the same scenario again. Hey, you know, what should we do? You know, and I answer the question and 
which was, you know, let's just go ahead and stop treatment. And the weird thing about that, why it's bothered me, and I was talking to AP about this, who, you know, many people know, he's, he's like my brother. And I was talking to him Friday night, that's what always stuck with me, was was that saying stop treatment because, I mean, he was coherent at the time, and, and just the fact of the matter, I wish I was there so I could say it and not had to do it via phone and him hearing my voice. I mean, I don't know what conscious state he was in, but in my mind, I just keep thinking that. He heard my voice say, hey, stop treatment. And that was on Friday, November 30th. And then on, I had just finished a, um, a Spuck episode podcast, and it was December 2nd, and we drove down there, and he, <clears throat> he had passed that night. And, you know, so it always haunted me. Not haunted. Maybe it was haunting. I don't know. But still the fact of the matter that making a decision to, you know, something, and I know millions of people made it, and people that are listening to Mike will have had made that decision before, but until you're in that place, it's just, it's an unreal moment to be able to, to say, hey, we just need to go ahead and, um, you know, stop treatment. And he passed a few days later, and we were all there. I mean, that was what the great part about it was. I was there, my mother was there, my brother, his sisters, nieces, nephew, my sons. Um, and my brother and his daughter and, and his wife. And, and it was, and it was weird, you know, watching someone pass that had been your mentor that had, had been, um, someone who is always didn't say a whole lot, but didn't have to, cause he was my stepdad. And I, and I hate that phrase because to me, stepdad is, doesn't qualify for what, what he done was. I still remember the first time really being around him was my brother played little league baseball and I was too young to play in the league, but I'd go out there with my mom and my brother and I would go play outfield and, uh, you know, we play outfield because if you remember being a little league, nobody wanted to play outfield. So I'd shag balls and then, you know, do whatever I need to do. And he'd always let me bat last of practice and things like that. And then, um, he ended up becoming my baseball coach. And then I remember, um, I think it was fifth grade basketball. We were eating a pizza. It was me, my mom, my brother. And he came up and, and cause he worked there at the time. He's like, Hey, I got you in basketball. And I remember just being a little arrogant little guy going, um, like, I don't know if I like organized basketball. I was like, now that I'm older and, and I thought that was such a dumb statement, but it was pretty funny. So he coached me in basketball and baseball. He was a lifelong coach in Seymour coached basketball and baseball for the longest time. I, I helped him coach basketball and baseball also. Um, played softball with him. So, I mean, sports was a big thing for us. IU basketball is a big thing for us. Um, and then, cause they got married when I was 17, which was 1997. Remember that was a junior going into my senior year of high school. So there's been gaps in between when like he was in my life full time, but I just remember them getting married and how cool that was. And, you know, he was, he was, he was some, he did a lot of the same things I had done in high school. So, um, he was able to, I was able to relate to him on a lot of things when it comes to sports and, and other things like that. So, and that was one thing that was great, but I, it wasn't, and I remember, um, 98, I met Steph, who's now my, well, still my wife. And I remember cause her mom had passed away April 30th in 1998. And I, I we had met in August of 98 and, and I started staying with her and, when her mom passed, you know, she got some money from her mom passing. She had her own apartment, really nice car. She was going to school. 
And I just remember him telling me like, Hey, I just want to make sure that you, you like her for her and not like her cause she has money. And he had never said that about any other girl because there's a lot of other girls I dated during that time and that he had met. But I, even then he knew there was something special about Steph when I met her and he wanted to make sure I didn't screw it up. And he's very supportive when we got married, very supportive when we moved in together. Um, cause I moved away from Indianapolis in two th- or from Seymour in 2002. We moved to Indianapolis in September, 2002. And I always remember calling him, um, because I still was playing sports at the time, even 20s all the way up to mid-30s or whatever. We'd always talk about softball. We'd always talk about a lot of things. And um, and he always talked to me like a peer. Um, never talked down to me, which was, you know, and he would always listen. And then he would never have to say a whole lot in, in order to get his point across. That was great. And he always set a great example. I mean, he worked every day. He would come home and mow grass, weed eat, you know, dishes, cook, laundry, clean, he would do, I would always see him do those things even when I was younger and always be well organized, car well organized. And, and that was something I learned from him was, is, you know, as I met my wife and moved in with her, I would help with laundry. I remember the first time I was Steph and she was at work and then she worked at school that night. I like, I, I did laundry and did dishes. I remember calling and trying to make sure how you wash certain things or whatever. But he instilled that in me that like, just because you're a man of the house, you still have to do your part. So, I mean, I thought we thought that was a great, great role model to have in those aspects of it. So, and like I said, it's been a year, December 2nd since it was gone and it's also my mom's birthday. And so that, I think that's very, very difficult and, and it can't put into words because you don't know what to say, what to do, because you don't want to say happy birthday. By the way, happy birthday, mom. I know you're going to listen to this. I love you. And maybe this is part of the gift that I have. I can do the best thing I can do because I know it's your birthday and, and, and you're hurting a lot because of what today is. So in, in that year's time, um, you don't know how to deal with it. You, you, you know, you try to move forward and and you try to, um, find peace. But I think the first year has been very difficult because of things that have been missed. Um, my oldest son, Lucci, turned 16, and, and he's learning to drive. Um, my wife turned 40, so 40 and 16 are pretty big birthdays that, you know, we, we he was gone December 2nd, so we, we'd already had a Christmas without him, and we're going to celebrate or, or have, I don't want to celebrate, have our second Christmas without him. Just had our first Thanksgiving without him. Because um, he, and you, you, you try to see that, where family is heading and, and you try to see, cause I always say when my grandma passed away, she was the patriarch and we would always go where grandma was no matter what. Cause Hey, where grandma is, that's where we're having it. Where grandma wants to go. That's where we're going to go. Same thing with pops. Where's pops want to go. We're going to go where pops wants to go. Right. So, and I think that was something that when he passed and, and, and cause after a while when he did, my mom moved in with us. Um, cause a lot of people know, why did why did you move the studios? Because this all goes hand in hand. So my co-host, um, RB's dad had died in June, I believe, and so his dad had a sudden heart attack. Uh, played pickleball in Greenwood, and he passed. And after I told him, I was like, "Hey, I think mom's going to move in with me." He's like, "Hey, just move the studio into my house. That'd be one less thing you have to worry about." And make it easier. So just go ahead and move the studio into my house. 
I have a bedroom I don't use. Just come over here. And that's what we ended up doing. And because and, I think RB has helped a lot in this process because he, you can go through it and talk to him. And, and we've had talks about it. And, and the thing that made it a little bit easier at times by having the studio over there. The mom moved in with us because, you know, you go from the house that you lived in with him. He passes and you don't want, you know, it's hard to stay in the same. I know a lot of people do, but my mind, I tried to rat. I was like, hey, let's have around me, my sons, my wife. You know, I think maybe some positive energy around you. Maybe that will help. That was my thought process. And it was pretty cool to have her live with us because, you know, she would <laughs> go back and make some old, what I call old school dinners. And she'd make us sit at the table, make the boys sit down, and then seeing her with my boys. And because after you lose one parent and you look kind of live an hour away and you get caught up in life, then you start realizing how much, you know, you might miss out on. So I was awesome that she lived up here for a while and be able to, you know, do things, go to the movies, and then just her and the boys going to Walmart, just things like that just makes me laugh. I mean, it wasn't what it was just, it was something I was, I was proud of having her up here and then spending time and then, um, be able to, uh, take the boys to school, pick them up, things like that. Just have them in their lives on, you know, and you know, they did when she moved out, they didn't want her to move out, but I understood it. She, we, I have a, she has an older sister, my aunt, who's dealing with some health issues now who has to be put in a nursing home. And so she moved out closer with her sister and I get it. Um, I mean, you got to, sometimes you got to be close to what it's hard to move away from a town after 60 some years and, you know, start over, um, up North cause you feel like you're starting over at 60 new house, lost your husband, new house, you know, even if it's with your son and, and kids and, and wife, um, you know, it's, it's still unfamiliar, you know, and it, I can notice a lot of things in, even with they have three dogs, you can notice the difference in the dogs. Um, and it's weird how animals are able to do that, but you can notice the difference in that because you just, you don't know what to say. And then, cause people can ask you, Hey, how are you doing? And I'm the type of person, like, I'm good. Just pushing forward, staying busy, either working or, or in the studio and spend time with the family. I mean, that's how I dealt with it. Cause I think at times grief makes you selfish at times. Um, and it makes you bitter at times. I mean, cause I remember being at the funeral, um, the showing, and then, you know, all those people saying, Hey, let me know if you need some, let me know if you need something. And then they disappear. It's just part of it. You know, it's a, it's a nice gesture to say, let me know if you need something. And, you know, and that sounds very harsh and bitter to say, but I mean, it's, it's part of reality cause they have their own lives, you know, and you can reach out to people. I mean, um, it was amazing that the non-family aspect, how strong it was for me, from AP, from Moy, um, from RB, I just said, um, from Juice, Justin, um, and, and some other people, Miguel uh, mentioned, and some other people, how strong that, how they were willing to do whatever to help me in any way, whether it's talking or making me laugh or send me a message. It was pretty amazing. Um, but people most know me the most and those I'm kind of a introvert when it comes to talking about it here recently, we've been doing different shows to talk about it, kind of how I feel. Cause I already deal with anxiety and a kind of other few other things. So, um, 
like every time if my phone would ring uh, late at night like i'd wake up if it rang or whatever like if we had an alarm going off at work and it just flashed me back to all those phone calls in the middle of the night when he was still sick and 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 you want to i think what made it the hardest was what is the experiences i was talking about earlier about you know luke driving and my youngest son colin was playing football as a freshman and they didn't have a freshman team so he started playing jv and then he started starting on jv and then one thing i've been blessed about with rb and i'll say this again is i was able to go to all the games and like just watching him play and and you know it's the only thing i could think of was like you know i wish pops was here because colin both my boys had a bond with them and and it's hard to say this but colin and him were both real silly together um, there's a video that I have of him trying to teach him a James Harden or Steph Curry handshake, which was hilarious to me. Um, dapping up and stuff and and things like that. But being in the stands, you know, watching Colin play um, was something that was hard for me to do because I just knew how much he loved sports and how much he loved the boys. I mean, he loved all his grandchildren. I'm not trying to say it was just the boys. You know, Chloe's in band, and I know he would have loved to see that just because – he was a great mentor to me and my brother, but he was next level grandpa, papa, next level papa. He was the epitome of a papa you would want. Those kids did no wrong. And, and then the attention he gave them, how much you talked to them and that, you know, just, just put nothing above them. And, and, and to me that I think that's why I miss the most because with them being 16, Luke's sophomore, Collins a freshman, you know, graduating college and then certain other things you're going to miss. And I know a million other people, a million other people have been through this and I'm no, no more special than them, but this, but that's where I get a little selfish at times where I'm like, I want him here to see them do that. And, and it's hard to explain, you know, maybe it's not, I don't, I, I don't know, but that's just how I feel about it. I just sitting in the stands. I remember had sunglasses on, you know, crying in the stands. Colin, I think they were playing Franklin, and Colin just made an open field tackle, and and I just looked around, and you know, um, I looked around like he was there, and he wasn't. So, and that's where it gets a little selfish at times, and I think that's what I meant by that was, you know, people being selfish and and want things for them instead of want things for um for what's right um because you know he had a long uh, and i just another thing of being selfish with i was talking about rb's uh dad he was a pickleball had a massive heart attack died on the scene and part of me that's one thing i wish wish if it had to happen if he had to pass i wish it was that way because watching him struggle for all those months, watching my mother struggle with him all those months. I mean, it was just, it was just awful as, you know, going to the hospital, out of the hospital, in the hospital, out of the hospital, you know, asking, asking me for how many, do, do we DNR? Do we don't DNR? You know, all that crazy stuff. And I think that's what took a more of a toll than anything was that was the constant not knowing what was going to happen next. 
that was to me that was the hardest part. You know, seeing him in in the hospital, out of the hospital. I don't know. Like it, it just it, it you, you start becoming immune to like, hey, he's back in the hospital. Like, all right, well, we'll let us going on. And I was blessed because he was in Indianapolis, so I worked 15 minutes from the hospital, so I was able to go up there a lot of time at night and be able to sit with him when no one else was around and get a lot of the and get a lot of moments in uh, by herself and talk to him and and things like that. I mean, I, so but it it was just. It's been a difficult year, and and I know a lot of people <clears throat> go through grief, and it goes through different stages, you know, denial, and then anger, the twelve, whatever, the some, however many steps it is you go through when you're upset. But it, the worst part is grief can make you feel alone in a room full of people, in a house full of people, however you want to say it, and it doesn't matter what anybody says. Like you got to try to find your own peace. You got to try to talk to somebody about it. But the hardest part was at times is when you need to talk about it and you start talking about it and then somebody else, they try to relate, which is, I, I appreciate it, but then they just start talking like, okay. And cause you have to find that person that allows you to talk and it might not be a friend. It might not be a family member. It might just be almost a professional in it. Cause I do believe in counseling and I believe in talking outside of it. Cause if somebody else is grieving, and you're talking to them and you're grieving. If two people are grieving, trying to talk at times, I think it's counterproductive because if one person is more inept to let the other person talk, they already have their grief and the other person's adding more grief onto it. That's a lot for you to take on. It can make you shut down. I mean, it's past year. There's been times where I didn't want to go to work where I was like, none of this matters, you know, and, and somebody would talk about money and I'm like, no, it doesn't matter doesn't matter i mean if he if he if he laid you're a millionaire or, or no money in his pocket i mean it's still gone and i think we're still caught up on those trivial things the, those materialistic things um that's one thing that did change again i don't think i really even cared about any of that stuff anymore um unless it pertained to for somebody else i mean but for myself i didn't really care um and there wasn't anything that um, I didn't care about cars and like, I mean, I really was a carper, but I didn't care about cars. I didn't care what car I drove. I didn't care what I wore. Um, hell there's times didn't even get my haircut or shave. I mean, just none of it mattered to me. I mean, I still went to work and did my job, but like I just didn't have the drive that I once had to do a lot of things. Cause I kept thinking, I think kept thinking to myself, none of this matters. None of it. Like, you know, it just, and that's where the, the anger comes in and, and the resentment, like none of this matters. You know, and then I hear, and I think I stopped talking to some people because of <clears throat> how selfish they were and how they looked at things. I'm like, none of that matters, you know, because I've said it m many times is life without death, life has no meaning. And it is from a Dr. Strange movie from the enchanted one, the ancient one. Um, for the, for the simple reason is when you pass, what, what, what if what effect have you made obviously he had a big impact on mine my kids and even my wife and obviously my mother and my brother and other people and and i think that's one thing that i took away from it and that's why i had started doing what i'm doing 
um, with other people when it comes to the, my job outside of my regular job is to try to give people an opportunity that wants an opportunity and try to surround myself with the like-minded people, positive people. And instead of being around people who just want to use you and, and, and want to get what they want from it. And cause I noticed that a lot, like why keep giving to something where, where the other part don't give back? Why waste your time? Um, became friends with roller Dustin, who, um, principal of Jennings County didn't even know him hardly at all. Knew him through AP, um, and some, you know, podcasts and stuff. He, sh- he showed up the showing. Um, and since that moment we've, we've, you know, we, we, we talk on a regular basis and, and he's a great guy and he was the epitome of, same way with AP and, and, and Moy, um, to be around because of their positive influence, how they're always, um, helping you move forward and what you need to move forward in instead of, you know, having a, an attitude of like, I don't want to do this no more. Like none of this is fun. Um, cause that's, that's the part of grief. That's the hardest thing is trying to get back up because you can move forward, but it doesn't mean you're having a progress. And I'm not saying anybody should be better after a year. I'm not saying I should be better after five years. There's, it's not, I know I'm not going to be, there's always going to be those things. But I, I think there's a lot of the people that did help me. And I know I might miss a few. If I do, I apologize. That on, that's not on purpose. Um, I, I just want, I just want to people to know that like how they're feeling is normal. The anger, the why, uh, you know, and I always go back to, you know, why this long process? I think that's what makes me the anger the most is why, why did this get, why was he sick for, I know what other people want sicker. But why drag this out? Why constantly punish somebody who had had such a positive impact on so many people? And I think that's what bothers me. Is why you had to go through so much. And, and I think that's where I was angry at. Because you, you see this strong man's man just sitting there just going through hell. And you're just, you're just praying that it ends. And... And, and I think that's why I, I struggle with making this the decision to stop treatment, but I just wanted him to have some dignity and die with dignity and not have to sit there and be in and out of hospitals. Cause that's no, that's what he's not wanted, but there's still the fact of the matter of having to make that decision of having to say like, okay, it's, we can stop treatment. So that's the part that, that's the part that bothers me. That's the part I live with. And I know when I talked to AP Friday night, he's like, you got to let that go. He's like, you did what was right. Even if you do, you know what you did is right. And I know what I did was right. That's the part that I was willing to live with, the, live with making that decision because I believe I'm strong enough to handle that decision of doing that. So it made me value life. It made me value life way more. It made me look at life differently, um, other people's lives differently, um, you know, and think the fact of the matter is, is thinking about death and, and then you're like, 
you just value life a little bit more. <laughs> I don't know if that sounds weird or not, but that's just how I felt about it. <clears throat> so that that's kind of how I dealt with it for a year. Um, in and out of the, the, you have your good days and bad days and, and you try to continue to go forward. There's no secret, no secret to what helps someone get over it. Um, you know, I can't imagine what my mom goes through, you know, uh, she's had so many changes in a, in a year and, you know, you try to look for a little bit of happiness here and there, but I don't know. I just couldn't imagine. I think that's why I worked harder to, to have a better legacy, not for anybody else, but just for my kids and to make sure that what kind of person I am for them. Cause I think we still worry about too much about other people, especially in the social media world. Um, I think we're quick to think we're more important than we are because we're, I mean, we need to be important to the right people and not important to the wrong people. Um, I think that's something else I learned in the year was you can have a thousand friends on a social media site, but how many of those thousand friends when it comes push comes going to show up, that's going to sit right beside you when your world's coming apart. I mean, I know who mine are and you know, and they proved it time and time again and, and vice versa for them. And I think that's what I've learned even more that you don't have to be a blood relative to truly be family. I'm blessed by that. Um, and I know if something did happen to me that my boys are surrounded by some good guys, great guys that would make sure that whatever they needed, that they would be there for them. So, um, it's just weird. It's been gone a year and, and it's went by so fast and that's the other aspect of it. I said it the other day, I think it was Friday. I was talking to somebody at work and I was like, yeah, it's been a year. And he's like, wow, it's been a year already. I remember when that happened. Life goes and you know, first we were saying life goes by pretty fast. And you know, the, the, the memories get longer. Life gets shorter and the memories get longer. I think that's a, I think that's a phrase that I've heard. Cause you know, you, you, the past gets longer and longer and bigger and bigger and, and it starts, it starts making you think about your own mortality and being 39 years old, still pretty young, but you never know. And then, and uh, I don't think about death, but I, I think about making sure that I take the right steps to be prepared. And, and I know it sounds weird, but make sure you have life insurance policy. Um, make sure cause the, the hardest thing in the world is, is when your family is grieving with the loss of someone that things are not in order for when they do pass. Cause that puts on an extra, extra burden when you're trying to grieve and, um, and then you're trying to figure out finances. And I think that's what made me not really care about money was after we pass and we're going through and trying to get this and trying to get that. And, you know, we're talking about money for this and I just, it just got so angry talking about money when I just know, you know, he's in the next room in a casket and I'm just like, God, why we do, why we have to do this. And <clears throat> the other thing I noticed, it's going to sound negative, but like I said, this is, this is me telling you how I feel is, um, 
and just it's weird just how everybody disappears after so long and 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 i thought death makes people closer but it's the old saying um you only see catch up with people is when you see them at a funeral and and part of that's on both sides whether it's, it's myself and other people and you know and you think about like man i need to pick up and call that person or man i need to talk to that person and then it's and and you don't and then for you know it's going to be too late and and it sounds very pessimistic as or ominous as a young person um but you just you never know and and i've tried to get better at that myself is by going places i normally wouldn't go i mean i'm with oktoberfest this year and I never go down there. I just don't. I don't want to go. I have no desire to go. But I, but I knew it was the first one without him, so I went. And you know, went with my mom, walked around with my mom, ate dinner with my mom. You know, and because like I said, it's never big things in life that make a huge impact. It's the little things that make an impact. And I think a lot of times is we try to do big things to overcompensate for an absence of things that you're supposed to do. So I think I've just been sticking to the little things and, and trying to do that. Um, I think in his, in his passing, it's made me a better father. And it's, it's made me realize that or having a job is very important. Um, taking paying your bills is very important. I get that, but most places you're just a cog in a wheel. And if you, if you leave, They'll replace you. That's corporate America. I respect it. It is what it is. But you got to go to those games. You, you know, you got to pick up the kids from school, pick them up from practice, pick them up from their friend's house, go eat dinner with them. Um, the grind, as they say, is very important. But nothing's more important than laughing with your wife and kids at dinner. Um, nothing's more important than surprising your wife on her 40th birthday at her favorite restaurant. Um, life should be about other people and not about yourself. And that's one thing I realize is it's not about me. It's, it's about the, it's about the ones that are around me, make an impact on the people around you. Um, serve others. Don't serve yourself. It's easy to be selfish. It's easy to say, what about me? Um, because when he passed, I worried about my sons, um, you know, the impact that would have. I remember when my grandpa died and, and actually pops was there. Um, my parents, they were not together yet, but he, he said him on the front row. So I sat with him. I think it was 1992. I was 12 years old and he was my coach. I sit there and talked to him had a good time with him. And that's because the kind of person who pops was, was he would always do the right thing and be there for people and go above and beyond for other people and never ask for a damn thing for it. It would never throw it in anybody's face either. I think maybe that's why I don't do it. Well, other people would, would complain to be upset. And he's like, ah, what's the matter? I helped him out. Who cares? Let's just move forward. I think that's one thing that I've been able to stay so calm. And he was a great listener, too. I know I'm going over the place, but this is not an easy thing for me to sit here and talk about. Um, he was a great listener. Um, he, would talk, he was <laughs> talking the phone. People would listen. He would just listen. And, 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 and just got off the phone and be fine about it and they'd never say what he was talking about. He would just keep it to himself and drive other people crazy. But I mean, he was just the type of person he was. He was a listener. He was, he was, a, he, he served others. 
that's why he coached because he served other because he wanted other people to do well and i i I don't think he was really selfish at all he i mean he was was a simple person and i think that's now that i find him just to be a simple person um just like today you know how my wife cleaned up the house today not because i wanted brownie points just because i you know it's important for us to be to help each other um my wife's been amazing through this and I never knew her mom, like I said, her mom passed when she was um, 18, April 30th of 98. And I just remember, you know, both my parents were alive and just sitting there with her and I'm an 18 year old kid. I don't know what to say or do. That was the most loss I've ever felt in my life. Besides this past year, I was like, I don't know what to do. (sighs) But after, but she knew what to do after pop. She knew what to do. She was brilliant at it. Um, she knew what to say and what not to say. And she knew just to sit there in silence. Um, so I'm very blessed about having her because she knew what to do. Because she's a very strong, independent woman. And I'm not the easiest person to deal with at times. Not that I'm a ale or a mean or anything like that. It's just I don't communicate at times. I'm just like, okay. What? Yeah, sure. I just, I'll keep it simple. I'm not going to tell you how I feel. I did it last night. I received a text message last night and I just put, okay, there's things I wanted to say, but I was like, there's, there's, I did, I didn't because I have a tendency to lock and load and then just put something either say it or whatever and i didn't want to do it so i just said okay and i just remember last night sitting in the dark i i went home um oh i was over here doing i was over here in the studio working with um justin and um um thank god cancer saved our divorce i'm starting to get that right now and they were doing a couple episodes so I was editing them and I went home and, and I had plans for someone to be with me on the show today because it's very hard to do a show by yourself because you have the tendency to, to be all over the place like I'm doing now. But I got a text message that said, not going to be able to do it. There's an explanation. I just put okay. Because it didn't bother me. Absolutely. But I didn't, I'm not, I'm, I can. I'm not a strong texter. I'm I'm on the phone kind of person or I'm in the face kind of person because I like to make sure I articulate in the right way. And so afterwards I was just turned TV off, sat there in the dark and my wife came in and I told her what happened and she was, you know, she was, you know, she just, we just sat there in the dark and turned the TV back on and we just talked until we fell asleep to bed early. So we're getting to bed at like, <laughs> to bed at like 1030 on a Saturday night. We live it up. But I think having that partner, because she's not she's not selfish. Steph's not selfish, especially when it comes to that, because it's not easy for me to open up. But I'm trying to prove that as a strong male, it's okay to open up. It's okay to talk about it. It's okay to have these feelings, that you don't have to feel weak by doing it. And you don't have to be angry towards other people when they try to ask you about these, ask you how you feel. Um, you know, like I said, I lost my captain. He was our captain. 
Um, and that's the way I look at it. And it's been a very, very difficult year. And, and all you can do is just keep trying to move forward. And there's days you're going to run into a wall and you're going to lay in front of the wall and it's okay. It's okay to take that time in front of that wall, then get up and then go around the wall and keep moving forward. And if people don't, and if there's people in your life who think that you should be in a certain place at a certain time, there is no time limit. There's not. I see people all the time posting. I can't believe it's been ten years and they're five, and or even talking about it, you know, because I know April thirtieth every year. I think about it for my wife, you know. I'm just thankful for the time that we had with him. I'm thankful for everything that he taught me and I know I know where I'm at now that he'd be very proud and he was very proud of what I've accomplished and what I've done. I do know that. Um, I never felt like I had to prove myself or, or get his um, approval. We always hugged. He always told me he loved me. I told him I loved him. I never had to worry about that. Still remember the last time I hugged him. Um, in the hospital, I was wearing a red flannel. I remember that vividly. Um, I'm just blessed that I, I, I was there to get to say goodbye because I know not everybody does, and 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 know that he was at peace, that that he didn't have to struggle no more. So, but I just want to thank everybody for listening. Um, Honestly, I did this for me. I know I talked about being selfish, but this was for me because I think this is the best way for me to talk about it is in a room by myself and and just saying how I feel and what I went through. And like I said in a couple other episodes, is that you're not alone. Not everybody deals with the same way. And every now and then is is just take care of yourself, but also make sure you, you, you look out for the others around you because you never know who might be hurting more than, you know, and, and it's not easy to talk about it, but you know, I, I just, just think that make sure we today in this day and age with communication being the way that it is, I think we've went backwards on people not knowing how to communicate. And that's one thing that I not going to lose. And I'm trying to constantly is do that is make sure I keep being able to communicate and not and not rely on technology or social media to do it. Um, before I go and then uh, say a prayer for my my brother and my sister in law, her mom. I know they're going through some things. Um, I love you guys. Um, oh, and then obviously Chloe. Um, you know, our fan, you know, all of us are praying for you guys, um, for what you guys are going through. Um, keep your head up and you guys always know if you need something reach out to us. So, so I'm going to end it by playing a song. Um, this was supposed to be playing at the funeral and I know I'm laughing, but, um, the wrong song played. Um, so I remember the end of my speech or whatever I said, it's time to go home. And this song is actually by Skylar Gray. This is called Coming Home Part 2. Because um, I remember that day, I just couldn't keep thinking that uh, it's time for him to come home. I love you, Pops. Oh, my captain, my captain.
And the blood will dry underneath my nails And the wind will rise up to fill my sails So you can doubt and you can hate But I know no matter what it takes I'm coming home, I'm coming home Tell the world I'm coming home Let the rain wash away All the pain of yesterday And know my kingdom awaits And they've forgiven my mistakes I'm coming home, I'm coming home Tell the world I'm coming Still far away From where I belong But it's always darkest Before the dawn So you can doubt And you can hate But I know No matter what it takes I'm coming home